mutes it. It mutes it. So starts. we are muted. Okay. So you probably didn't. Hear, did you hear like, like nothing for about like 10, 15 seconds, and then just yeah. started sounding stupid? Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. Start over. Yeah, okay. So, so I don't know what you heard, but I, we're keeping the with the tradition, ritual, whatever we decided from finding paradise of cracking a cold one. And I did not go along with um, picking out the beverages this time. I just sent Tyler out. And so this is. So if they're shitty, it's I'm my not, fault. It is. It will be your fault. Oh, okay. <laughs> but this is Montgomery Brewing. So this is like Minnesota Montgomery, right? Yeah. So there, so Montgomery, there's a brewery. This is about 10 minutes from here where this is made. Well, the next and, town's over. Yeah. I had uh, one of their beers last week and it was really good. And they had two sours. They didn't have this one when I was there. I had Very the good. other. In so case uh, someone wants to see this. Yeah, dra- oh my Dragon gosh. Star Galactica. I always struggle with this part thinking, like, you have to think reverse backwards. <laughs> you should try it on the camera. Yeah. yeah. Made with uh, dragon fruit and manjo. Manjo. Mango. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> also, I'm not sure how big of a mess this is going to make, but... Because yours makes it. Oh, yeah. You you got a new Belgium surly something. So I don't really like a barley wine, really, but figured why not? Uh, Because I like New Belgium and I like surly. And it's a collaboration with them. So Dark Forest uh, barley Mm -hmm. wine sour aged in bourbon barrels with spruce tips. Not the whole spruce, just the tips. (laughs) <laughs> um feel free to make dirty jokes right. if you want okay and, <laughs> and and i figured i actually there's been a few already i'm like trying to like uh hold myself back a little yeah, bit i figured like i have a a new belgium glass here anyway so like well it seemed like the right thing to do so i'm not sure if this is gonna blow just like on its own or if i gotta <laughs> i'm just gonna go this way oh my gosh just in case yeah yes. no it's not it's, okay. it's safe I don't know if I trust it till it's like fully open. Yeah, but okay. Phew. <laughs> okay, now and I'll crack the can if I can get my nail under here. Oh my goodness! Every time. No, it's not every time. Oh shit! I had to crack it last time too. You are full of it. Oh, we got it half. There we go. See. Okay. Well. There you go. All set. So. Yeah, I don't get like the. I have to. Ugh, I don't know. It's pretty beery. Yeah. But also very sour. <laughs> Try this one. If I'll, you want. I'll, it'll grow on me. Okay. Okay, Tyler's got his. So, like I said, I don't really like. You're going to have a foam all over your mustache. Yeah. <laughs> Too much head. <laughs> so, only. Never mind. It's. What? To say it's the only time in life, life I've ever said that, but. <laughs> That's the only time in life you ever said Okay. Actually, no, that's not. Uh, Trade. Yeah. We'll get down to business here pretty soon. Yeah. Okay. This is, what, this is what we do. I, like I the love first, it. like, five, ten minutes is usually just kind of a train wreck. Yeah, see, she doesn't like it. No. Okay. It's really difficult to find one I actually like. Well. It's really very difficult. Okay. And also, this is, like, 12%. So. Oh. Here we go. <laughs> All right, so we haven't even introduced you yet. So yeah. I know. Um, so this is Cheryl. Welcome. Hello. Thank you for joining us. I uh, have. So I've known Cheryl for a while, like just online through 
support groups. Um, probably about a year and a half, two years, year and a half, a couple years. Yeah, it's been quite a while. Yeah. So. So I met you through Tyler. Yeah. The online meetup. Yep. It was our Upstate New York XJW Upstate New York. And Tyler was commuting to work, and I just remember him being the guy that was always driving. And yep. he'd be on his commute listening, and we're like, where's that guy that's always driving? Is he? Oh, yeah, yeah. And then we all just became good friends. And now you guys are, you're not even from upstate New York, but you're a part of our group. And we look forward to chatting with you every month. It's a great support group and wonderful group of friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been I'm great. usually the quiet one, or I'm like just kind of sneaking in and listening. Yeah. They usually have other stuff going on. So uh, I feel like people in that group probably don't know me very well, but they know Tyler for sure. Well, so, you're yeah. typically like at the end of Tuesday, you're probably coming off of a shift. So like you're yeah. tired already. You're done yeah. with work. So, mm-hmm. but no, it's been a great group. Uh, I appreciate you guys a lot. It's been wonderful. So thank you. I appreciate that you've been there for Tyler throughout all of this and long before he reconnected with me. So good job. It's great. We started it originally as a local upstate New York group (laughs) in our very, specifically to where we are in central New York. And then when COVID hit, we went online and now it's expanded where we have a lot of people from other states that we support. And in another country. Yes. But our farthest away is New Zealand and it's, it's just been great. And we realized that, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be just upstate New York. It's, you know, whoever we can help. We all share that same common. One thing I do notice in our group that is a very common thread is most of the XJWs in our group are all raised in it um, and, and leave. And that that is something that is a very unique situation, which kind of gets into my story in that, yes, I was another one who was generally raised in it. So, okay. yeah. Well, we've like... I'm trying to think how to Minnesota start has kind of like invaded the, <laughs> the yes, New York. Guys have. There's like five or six now, I think, from like our area in Minnesota that are now part of the New York XJW group. Yeah. So no, like well, a diverse well, group. My friend so Karina and I, when we talked about the idea of starting this group, we were shocked that there really was no one in our area because of the world headquarters being in Wallkill and now in um Where's the new one now? Near Newburgh or whatever. Uh, Warwick. Yeah. How How is there not an XJW group in this area, especially? You know, and there really, there really wasn't. It is pretty saturated there. Yeah. So um, there was definitely a need. So we decided to give it a try. And here we are. We have like 150 members now in the group. And um, it's been a success. Yeah. Okay. So, I want to make sure you're not echoing still. Are you still echoing? Yeah, I tried to turn it down a little bit. Okay. So clearly we are, I mean, for the audio listeners, because like I say, I guess that's just my job to make think about that part of it, is that um, Cheryl's on the East Coast. We are doing this through, um, it's not really a Zoom call. It's something StreamYard. Like StreamYard. Yep. So we might have echoes, even though like our audio tends to be kind of eh, even when we're all sitting in the same place. (laughs) So (laughs) um, there may be, it seems like your internet's pretty good though. So that's, that's a plus. But if there's like some kind of technical issue, it's we're, we're not in the same room. We are doing this uh, at a different time zone from each other. Yeah. 
It's not, so, our, not our first rodeo with technical difficulties and shit. So uh, if it happens, no, I'd say it happens like every episode. Yeah. There's some kind of technical difficulty, but um, we do our best. So, far, so, good. so it's the, um, I guess to get going on your story, it seems you've covered a little bit of uh, some of those questions I first started out with, or um, I guess sent to you. So what is your current Joe's witness status or affiliation? I guess you kind of touched on it, but maybe a little yes, bit. Yes, I am. I am currently a disfellowshipped. Uh, I do identify, I guess, as an apostate. Um, their JW definition is different than what our definition is, you know, but I have absolutely no desire to ever go back to the religion. I've never been happier in my life. I was in, um, I, my mother joined, well, I'll go back, I guess. Um, my, my mother joined when I was seven years old. So I had a mother in the religion and my father never joined. And I spent my entire childhood praying that my father would become a witness. And now I've never been so thankful that he didn't <laughs> become a witness. Um, yeah, so it was, uh, my mother was very strict and it was Halloween night. Ironically, we were knocking on doors and we knocked on a Jehovah's Witness door who was a friend of my mother's. And she said, we don't do Halloween and my mother said oh you know so the long story of nature my mother started studying and the following year we weren't celebrating Halloween anymore and I always think back to that day that what if they weren't home what if that was a meeting night and my mother yeah you know what I mean like everything changes you know the butterfly effect <laughs> you know and, and it's it's just funny so yeah, that's how my mother got affiliated. She started studying. She became a witness, got baptized. I was seven years old at the time. And then um, I have a little sister who um, three years younger than me. So I got baptized at 15 because I'm an extrovert. I'm, you know, social. I, you know how it is. It's very heavily praised. So I was like, yeah, you know, I'll get baptized. Sure. You know, I love God. And, you know, and I was really in it, I guess. For a while or I believed it and I always hoped my father would join and my sister um, never got baptized so and so I ended up marrying another witness and he, he was not really into the religion it's an odd situation I don't want to say a lot about his story or his family but um he never really became an elder or ministerial servant he was a very avid meeting attender very um, devoted, but didn't reach out for privileges. So we ended up having three kids. We were married 27 years and generally had a great marriage for about 15 to 20 years. And then he started really getting into the religion big time. And I started pulling away where I started having doubts. And of course, you know, you don't talk about it. You, they, they sit there in your mind. And for me, I don't think I'll ever forget. It was in 05 when that overlapping generation Watchtower came out. I remember sitting there. Of course, I never studied the Watchtower ahead of time. So I got there, you know, and <laughs> you're reading it. And I remember looking around like, is, is, are they, is everybody buying this? Because like they just added 100 years. And I remember after the meeting talking to a friend and saying, you know, what the hell? And she goes, well, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense, but I guess. And, um, and I remember this older sister coming up to me, a random, comes up to me and goes, you know, the society never said Armageddon was coming in 1975. <laughs> and I go, 
what? So I didn't know anything about 1975 because my mother got came in in 1977. Oh, okay. So that planted, I'm like, what is she talking about? I've been a witness for how many years and I've never heard this 1975 thing. So, you know, you start getting the little things where the doubts are happening. So then fast forward, you know, our three kids are growing up and um, my oldest daughter, a lot of issues emotionally. Um, she ended up in Four Winds, which is a um, mental hospital for depression and a suicide attempt. And you went through this whole counseling thing and all that. And she ended up later on coming out as gay. And it all came to a point where I was still, I guess, what you call PMO, physically and mentally out, but I never did the research. I never, I didn't start, it just kept festering. You know, I'm like, something's wrong, but you know, I don't know, you know, shrug your shoulders. And you know how it is, you know, Amanda, when you're a mom and you're busy with kids and this mm -hmm. and that, you just kind of take day by day and you're a mom and you're doing your thing and you go to work and take care of your kids and you just don't, don't delve into it until, so my daughter came out as gay and um, I knew at that point I was going to have to make a choice because I was either going to have to start shunning my gay daughter and never talk to her ever again to save the marriage, you know, and be in it. Or I, the marriage was going to fall apart and I was going to choose. And, and you understand if, if I lose the marriage, I'm going to be disfellowshipped and lose my mom because she's a witness. So do I choose between my husband and my mom? And all of my friends I grew up with, like literally every single person I ever knew, or my child. And I think the answer was obvious. I chose my child. Mm -hmm. So now to this day, um, my daughter and her partner live downstairs. They have an apartment downstairs. My second daughter left all on her own. And my son is currently not baptized and he's 16. And again, I'm leaving that choice up to him. You know, whatever he chooses, I support him. Um, but the whole, you know, it, it's just being raised in that religion is a very unique situation. And that's why, um, getting together with other XGWs really helps one another because we all have the same story. Mm -hmm. So I did end up leaving, um, I am disfellowshipped after, um, I was, I guess around that same time, I, I can't, when it all came to a head and I didn't have to make a choice, I don't know what made me one day pick up my phone and you start that Google search. And I don't even remember what I typed in, but the first video that came up was XJW fifth. And I watched his video and that began the rabbit hole of, I just started watching stuff. And then I found JW facts and I literally have a PhD, so to speak. <laughs> XJW content. Like I started studying. I think I started with 1975 and I was floored. And then I remember finding the birthdays and I studied the earthquakes, like how many earthquakes. And then I studied the um, overlapping generation came up and then I went down on the list and I became absolutely obsessed with researching and went very quickly from PMO to I can't do this another day of my life and I ended up leaving the marriage which was divorce is so traumatizing it's horrible 
but it was the right choice and choosing my child. And it's, it was a rocky road, which I'll tell you guys about now having a relationship with a physically in mentally in ex spouse and a so-called apostate, it, it can be a rocky road. Mm-hmm. Um, my question is how old were you when you got married? Um, and then how old were you when you got divorced or like your, or how old were your kids? And you started oh, that so process. I was married at the very young age of 20, couldn't drink at my own wedding, which Sounds is odd. Familiar. We started dating when we were 18 <laughs> and didn't get married till 20. So that's a super long engagement for a mm-hmm. witness, you know, cause, um, I was actually in a community college at the time. And thankfully that's the one thing that I'm so thankful for to my father not being a witness is I got to get my two-year degree right out of high school. So I was in college. So thankfully I got that right away, which kids in the nineties did not get that. Mm-hmm. It didn't happen. So we were married 27 years. And when I left the religion, I was about 46, which it disappoints me that I waited so long, but my oldest daughter, I have three kids. My oldest was, 19. My middle daughter was about 17. And then my son was 12. Because I remember in our divorce papers, my oldest daughter was set. My middle daughter was just shy of 18. So I put in the papers, I'm going to let I'm not going to force you to visitation. I'm not going to I treated her as an adult. And I said, I want to see you as much as possible. Um, but I didn't force anything on her cause she was pioneering at the time, fully in pioneering with her dad. And it, it, it was, it was rough. And then my son, um, we do, I do have visitation right now. We'll, we'll get into that. Um, <laughs> how that all went down, <laughs> but, um, yeah, did I answer your question? Yeah. So I was, I was in for a very long time. Yeah. Sounds like it. Um, also, I'm wondering, it sounds like your parents stayed married. So um, you had, they did not. Okay. So that's a whole long, long, long story, but um, well, it will come back around. So my mom did end up leaving my dad after 25 years of marriage. Um, And then she was disfellowshipped for a while. And interestingly, please note that I never shunned her. Okay. I never did. I, I supported her. I had just had my daughter and she did go back. It took her over two years to go back to the religion, but she did get reinstated, but I never shunned her the whole time she was disfellowshipped and she shuns me now. So (laughs) interesting. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they are not together anymore. Um, and ultimately I don't want to tell their whole story, but it had to do with the religion that that's a divide. It's very, very difficult to be in a marriage with someone who's in the religion and one who isn't. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you said that it, it kind of encompasses like it surrounds everything that they do. And, it does. you know, even recently talking with, you know, court officials and things like in my own situation, I, I've told them like, there's no way that I can adequately describe how, far it reaches into every single aspect of their lives like there is nothing that it doesn't affect whether it's the marriage the parenting the you know the family relationships with 
you know, our, our blood relatives to the congregation to everything. Like it, there's mm-hmm. no way to adequately describe how deeply that is all interconnected. Mm-hmm. Right. And even when um, my ex-husband and I separated, we did try to date one another and try to make it work. And we discussed over and over and over, can we make the marriage work with you being in and me being out? And it was constantly like he wanted me to go back. That was the only answer. And I, they, I couldn't stress that I'm never going back. And this isn't because of my pride. This isn't because I'm, you know, whatever the reasons are, you know, I don't believe it anymore. I did my research. I'm a thousand percent sure that I don't want to be a part of this, you know, and you know, you know how all that go. And then can we continue marriage? And there are some people that, that make a marriage work and I applaud them. I have such respect for people that can do that, but just the way my ex was, I just knew that was never going to work. I said to him, how are we going to have a marriage? And on the weekends, like everybody we know is a witness, his family, my family, you know, I have my dad and my sister, which are, but like, I can't go with you to any of your events, any gatherings, any family, like literally we will have separate lives and you aren't going to want to hang out with my worldly friends and my XJW friends, you know, it's never going to work. This is not a marriage anymore. And you can only do so much with it. But then once you go back down the path of divorce, you don't really know someone until you divorce them. Mm -hmm. Everything changes. And the person you thought wouldn't be money hungry and wouldn't be evil and mean to you, you know, and, and of course there's no good way to leave a JW. There's only one way to leave a JW marriage and you're always the evil one and once you're an xjw apostate or whatever they call it you're wicked he actually told me that that was a quote he said to me one day he goes you're you're actually um one of the wicked ones that the bible talks about and i was like okay so i'm going to continue a marriage with a person that thinks i'm wicked just because i don't want to be a part of this religion and i know i respect that he's fully in it and from his point of view, yeah, I guess I, I, I am wicked. And a lot of therapy helped me realize that, you know, yeah, maybe I am wicked. And okay, so what? <laughs> mm-hmm. Accepting labels, you know, and things like that. But um, yeah, it's, it's a it's a rough road. Yeah, that was that sounds very familiar. Again, I had a lot of the same conversations with my ex, like as I was leaving, like, look, I'm leaving a religion. Like I'm not leaving my family. I'm not leaving you. I'm not mm-hmm. leaving my kids. I love you. I love my kids. And that's what I want to do. I want to continue. So, so what do we got to do to make that work? And like you said, there was nothing that was ever going to satisfy that. It was always, well, come back. And, and again, it came down to me an ultimatum of talk to the elders or get out. <laughs> like, like those are some of the things that we deal with. So yeah, like you said, mm-hmm. kudos to people that are able to actually figure it out. And I think honestly, in those situations, I think that might be a spouse who is still in, but doesn't, because otherwise, I mean, you're just programmed to hate that other person. So I don't know. I mean, I do know of couples, I won't mention their names, but I do know of couples who one is out and his wife is a pioneer and they make it work. And I have the most utmost respect for that relationship. And I mean, I, I just applaud that. That is so amazing. I just knew that wasn't going to happen for us. 
and I, I tried everything to wake him up. I mean, so this comes to the question, which I assume you're going to ask is, you know, how do you wake up the other person? And the answer is you can't, <laughs> you just can't. I mean, I showed him everything from the Australia Royal Commission to JW Facts to 1975 to 607 isn't when, you know, this and that. And I, I went to Beth Serum and can you believe that? He willed it to them that Moses was, uh, it was like talking to a wall. And then it, it, I would show him Newsweek articles, like legit articles. And I would, I would try everything. So like, let's not use apostate stuff. Let's use it. He wouldn't even read an article, anything that was bad about the religion. He would not there. It was a absolute brick wall. And I realized I am never. And the one conversation I had, this was the pivotal day in my life. I, we had a phone conversation and I said to him, so if we can make this marriage work or whatever, I said, let's hypothetically say for a minute, I said, you and I, Armageddon didn't come yet. Okay. You and I are 85 years old and we're sitting on our porch in our rocking chairs and we're reflecting on our lives as a married couple. And I have a lifetime of memories with our children and my daughter and her partner and everything. And you have a lifetime of shunning no memories with your kids because you shun them. Are you going to be able to look back on your life and be okay with that? And he said, yes, because I know I'm doing the right thing in God's eyes. And I said to him, I, we can't be married anymore. I said, I'm so sorry. You know, and I went through the, I'll always care about you. You're the father of my children. I'll always love you. I, you know, I, I do care, but I just knew we couldn't be married anymore. And for a religion to make you have to choose between your spouse and your children and I know people say to me, oh, it's so wonderful what you did. When you're, I go, that's what every mother would do. That, that's not anything miraculous. This is biology. You're supposed to be there for your kids. And um, it's been three years now. He does not, uh, my, mind you, my two children that were baptized, the two older ones, um, are not disfellowshipped. He still shuns them because he said they should be disfellowshipped. So it's been three years he hasn't talked to my oldest daughter and my middle daughter. It's been almost probably two years now he hasn't talked to her and very minimal texting, nothing. And I, of course, being the female, emotionally feel, how do you go to bed at night? How do you sleep at night not talking to children? How do you, how do you, don't you wonder where they are, what they're doing, what they're, you know, everything in their lives. And, but that was the deciding, though I knew the marriage was over at that point when he told me that he um, could actually shun them for their whole lives. And then the other thing, as far as our relationship, him and I, um, he actually told me that he was in misery. That was the word he used being in a relationship with me, but he was loyal. So he was going to stay with me in misery forever because that's what God wanted. And I said, I don't want to be with someone who doesn't want to be with me. So we're just going to live miserably ever after in our little separate lives. And I said, somebody's got to cut the cord here. So I, I remember the, that <laughs> I took the hit mm -hmm. and I said, well, you know, and it takes a lot of therapy to get over the um, loss of your good reputation, um, the loss of your friends and, and all of that. And it hurts. It's, it's very painful to go through, but in the end I made the right choice. And uh, you know, when you're put between a rock and a hard place, you, you make that choice. Yeah.
Yeah, well, good good job in choosing the correct choice, even though I would assume it led to a whole domino effect of things that were very well, difficult to deal with. Yes, it did. Mm-hmm. So then begins the legal separation and the divorce and what are you going to do with you know, and he was, it becomes us, me against him, that he's telling the kids that I abandoned them. You know, I didn't leave them. I left just you. You know, I'm still here for my kids. And I fought, I fought for these kids tooth and nail all the way through. So we ended up going to a mediator, which if anyone is going to be going through this, I highly recommend getting a mediator because it keeps you out of court. And you can have a, a mediator, a, for those who don't know, it's a person who comes in and basically the three of you, you you're, you're soon to be ex and a mediator, and they just make a list of everything um, between um, assets, debts, your kids, visitation, everything. And you see if you can come to an agreement on your own without involving the court, because to get... Um, it was about a $5,000 retainer and it was going to cost me about $10,000 to go to court to fight. So um, it saves you a ton of money, but sometimes you end up agreeing to things that you don't necessarily want to agree with, but you do to stay out of court. And you, I really was what is best for the kids. So we ended up coming um, up with an agreement and, oh, it went back and forth and the threats, constant threats of we're going to court. Oh, this again. I was like, come on, calm down. I don't want to go to court and have a judge decide for me what to do with our children. So we would back away. And this went on for over a year, I would say, of text arguing and back and forth and blah, 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 with him stalking me and him following me around and trying to find me doing wrong things. And, you know, I I put cameras on my house because he was coming by at two in the morning and to see if my daughter was actually here. Did she live here? So anyways, to make a long story short, the legal separation, we ended up, so on paper, um, our income was about the same, Um, but I'm self-employed. So, you know, when you're self-employed, it's all different. It's a a mess trying to figure out what you actually make. Well, because he had uh, my oldest daughter lived on her own middle daughter living with him and my son, he, I actually gave him primary where he had 51% um, custody and I had 49% because he had the house, which I'm now in now. Um, So the agreement was he was primary. We had 50, 50 custody and I ended up paying him child support. And I, it was absolutely ridiculous. He has a really good job working for the state. You know, I have a, a really good job. And, and he, I ended up paying him child support. And we worked on a schedule with 50-50 with my son. And um, I ended up signing the paper because I looked at it that if it was going to cost me $10,000 to go to court, I'd rather pay child support that maybe my kid was going to get. And I don't, I didn't want to leave him high and dry anyway. You know, we were trying to have an amicable divorce and relationship. So I ended up paying him quite a bit a month for a long time until like a year later, my middle daughter um, ended up on her own wanting to leave the religion. And I want to say for the record, I never, how, how did I wake my daughter up? I didn't. She did it on her own. 
she figured it out and I treated her as an adult and I respected her. And my motto was always, Chloe, if you want to be a pioneer and you need a ride to the kingdom hall, I will drop you off. I support you if that's what makes you happy. But if you don't, I'll call the cops for you when they come looking for you. You know, I, what I never influenced her. I never, you know, sent her videos and watched it. I didn't do anything. I just strictly loved her. And eventually she, she just figured it out on her own. So then it came to the house. He got the, on my house in the, the divorce and we worked it out. You know, the whole thing I had to pay him, you know, pay him off, whatever. Very, very complicated because both of our names were on it. And I had to get my name off the mortgage. And that was a whole big, Oh, very, very complicated. So in the end, in the divorce, he got the house. And then after the divorce, he started dating immediately. And I assume she didn't want to live in the house or whatever. And he called me and asked me if I wanted the house one day, which essentially came with my middle daughter because she wanted to live in the house. So I thought, do I want the house? Do I want the responsibility? All that. I don't really know. But I felt like I was buying my child because I thought if she starts living with me, maybe maybe she'll figure it out on her own. And essentially that's what ended up happening. So I rebought the house. It came with my middle daughter and she was going to meetings. And when she would leave for the meeting, I'd say, have a great meeting. You know, Oh, how was it? Oh, I supported. I didn't say a word. And then it was just, it wasn't very long. Um, a couple weeks later, she woke up one morning and she was like, I don't think I want to go to the meeting today on Sunday morning. And I go, okay. Do you want to go get breakfast? Yeah. Okay. And she never went again. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I didn't, I think that when you force, try to force them to wake up, they don't. So, um, so at that point, Chloe is now living with me. Why am I paying him child support for a kid that lives with me? And we share 50, 50 on the other. Well, then COVID happened. I lost one of my jobs. I couldn't afford to pay him child support. I lost my job to COVID. Everything was shut down. The kid is now living with me. So I went to court. That time we actually did go to court. Um, yeah. I, I went to court and this judge had to be like, how did this woman end up paying this guy child support? Like he had to, be, it, it, they never bring it up that, you know, so it was courts just reopened. I went in and we showed our income. I said that she had lived with us. That's when he was stalking me in the middle of the night. I have him on camera. Um, his I, uh, He has a, a Life 360 on my son's iPad to know where he's going all the time, which is fine. You want to know where your kid is. But he stupidly doesn't realize it. It also tells me everywhere he goes. So I got screenshots of every single time he drove by my house in the middle of the night. I had proof of everything. Every single time he went by this house, I had a screenshot. I had it on my cameras. I had everything. And I didn't want to be a jerk and have to go to court, but I had all this evidence. And anyway, I went to court ready to fight a battle. He was going to go to trial and he was going to put Chloe on the stand and ask her if she lived here. Because the thing is, she has, she's a, she was what, 18 at the time? Yeah, she 18, 19 year old young girl in upstate New York in the summer. Of course, she's never home. She was at her boyfriend. She was at her friend. She was at the lake. She was, you know, having a good time. She was a kid. So yeah, sometimes she didn't sleep here because she was here, there, you know, she was 18, you know, but she still lived here. It was her address. So anyway, the judge saw through that and he ended up, I, I probably could have gotten child support from him because we shared our son. I don't want, I didn't want any of that. I just wanted it to wash. So we went in and the judge 
ruled that it was a wash. I did not have to pay him child support anymore. And I remember him turning to me and said, does that help you out, Miss Murphy? And I was like, yes, it does. Thank you very much. So we left and I, I couldn't believe it. I don't have, I'm free. I don't have to pay him child support anymore. But the thing is about the whole child support thing, I still pay for, you know, how much kids cost, you know, I pay for all three of my kids just because they, you know, they cost you a lot of money. So yeah, you're still buying for your kids. And I just didn't want to have to be paying him when he has a really good job and he's now remarried and she has a job. So, you know, and she has a, um, ex-spouse that most likely I assume pays her child support. So that was really, really rough to go through and, you know, the whole court thing. But sometimes the courts, depends on the judge you get, can really help you out. And then other times it doesn't go your way. Mm -hmm. Yep, I can understand that. So in your communication with him, um, how have you handled that? Like, what form do you use? Um, like, do you... I'm trying to think of my question. Sorry. Cause this one I did not have written down. I just, kinda... <laughs> I, I want to go ahead. A quick one. I just want to interject quick. Sure. One quick question. So, um, two oldest daughters who live in, uh, live in Chloe. They're with you. Mm -hmm. Uh, your son, minor, not going to use his name. Uh, he's 15, 16 now. 16. Okay. Um, and I know what is the living arrangement there? Is he primarily, cause I know, I think it's some back and forth, but can. Yeah, it's technically 50, 50. And I okay. think on paper, he still is primary, but technically he's here more because I, I live in the school district. So he has to have his address here to go to the school. Cause this is a school that if you don't live in the district, you have to pay gotcha. tuition. And um, he's doing wonderful in school and everything. And um. So technically his address has to be here because of that, but it is pretty 50, 50. Um, and as far as communication, I mean, we used to text argue all the time. And then once he got married, I do respect the fact that he is remarried and it is a JW. She's very in. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I, we, it went from argue, argue, argue to literally business. So our text messages now are very just business pick up, drop off, this and that. We do not argue anymore. And it's better that way, you know, because I do wish him happiness. I hope him and his JW wife are very happy in the JW world. And, you know, that's what he wanted and that's okay. Um, but as far as the kids go, did I answer your question? What you said about that? I, I think so. Um, probably. I, yeah. Okay. So <laughs> yeah, I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm not very good at on the fly stuff, but I try. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I think that probably answer, I mean, business text. So like I'm in a different kind of situation. So, and it's been longer and my kids were younger and mm -hmm. nicer and all that. So it's a little bit different situation, but um, I mean, it sounds like a lot of it became better once, he got remarried and it seems like maybe that new wife respects your role. Is that a good, under yeah. a good um, understanding of that? Yeah. She, uh, ironically, she was an acquaintance of mine. So not like best friends or anything. She's a very nice person. She's very in it. You know, if she watches this video, I doubt it, but um, I have the utmost respect for how kind she is to my son. He, she's very, very nice to him. And, um, 
you know, it, it, it works because I would do the same thing too. You know, if I, if I had someone else's child or whatever, you know, she's very, very nice to him and she tries very hard um, to have a relationship with my son, but he, he's not, he's not very open to that, but that's another story. But um, yeah, he's a good boy and um, she's very kind to him. And she does have my text that, you know, one day she texted me and said, it's good for us to have each other's numbers. And I said, Oh, you know, that is, super great you know and she'll drop my son off to school on their days and I will so yeah and she's very kind so she doesn't shut like if she comes in the driveway and see she will say hello to my kids and she's very very nice but very business and that's that's totally fine I have no problem with that um so basically she's not trying to take over your position as mother to your children no and that is not even this is my son yeah I don't want to use his name um yeah, please don't. We'll have, we'll have to beep it anyway. If you if you mess if you up, do. yeah, we'll yeah, I, I it's okay. I wanna, he's a minor, and I don't want to, you know. But Which my is tough because I love his name. He's got a great name, so he does. <laughs> well, and he, that's what I was going to say. He has a specific nickname that I personally have given him. I won't say it, but um, I have a cute little nickname I give him, and it's also like one of his screen names online. Well, a story he told me, and I feel really bad because. She, she tried, the, the new wife tried to address him by the, that name, and he got very upset that, why would she call me that, you know, and I think she was, I said to him, I said, look, she's just being kind, she's trying to be your friend, well, that's the name you call me, blah, 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 and I think he drew that boundary that, you know, so she does try very hard, and I'm very, very thankful that, you know, she's kind to my son, and you know, tries, that's the way it should be, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, in a relationship like that, I don't think they feel the same way about me, but that's okay. That's <laughs> you know, okay. You know, and I know like her point of, point of view, I know she's been told all kinds of horrible stories about me and how wicked I am and da 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 all the stuff I've done. So, you know, that it is what it is. They're married now. That is a marriage and, you know, they can do their thing, but we do have to co-parent. So, um, but I do think because she also has children that are minors, she has to co-parent with her ex too. So it kind of, you know, there's a whole bunch, but it does seem to work now. We try to be respectful of one another and our schedule. Um, we're pretty, we're pretty, pretty good about the schedule and how, how it works, drop up and pick up. I'm very, very fortunate that he, his father only lives about five, 10 minutes away. So it's very convenient. And I'm also very respectful because this is not my choice. I always make sure that is available on meeting days. Um, so like their meetings are Sunday morning and Tuesday nights and they do their family study, I believe Monday. So he has Sunday to Wednesday. Oh my God, you have to beep that out. <laughs> I'm just sitting here going like, I'll beep it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Sorry. My son, um, does, um, attend zoom meetings online um, and I'm always very respectful that, again, that is my son's choice. If he wants to log on the meeting and he wants to be a witness, I have no problem with that. Um, so I never interfere. I would never do that. Um, same thing. I always look at it the same way. Like, let's say my son wanted to do karate lessons or dance lessons or something. I'm not going to stop him from doing that, too. You know, it, it's it's what he wants to do when he's with his dad. So whether or not he likes it, um, 
that's a different story, but I never interfere with it. And if there's an assembly or something and they have to be available, I do switch it up because I do appreciate it when he switches the schedule for me when I have something going on or whatever. And we're pretty good about switching times and things like that. But generally, we stick to a pretty strict schedule. And I try to spend as much time as I possibly can with my child because I know my days are numbered. And he's my baby, so, you know. This is the last one. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like um, your ex-husband and the new spouse ever talk badly about you to your son? Um, or do they try to just keep that their feelings about you away from him? Um, yes. I, I don't want to speak about his spouse because I don't know. I, I, she's a very kind, wonderful person person she was a friend of mine I don't think she does but him yes I have found evidence when speaking to my son of things that his father has told me and you know cer certain things we we've said and I don't know he'll 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 say little things to me and I'll just like I can't believe this father you know I it was just I know he's feeding him things about me and I always speak very kind about his dad. And I'll say, I mean, you know, I'm really sorry it didn't work out between you, me and your dad, but I still love you. And I know your dad loves you. And I always say nice things about his dad. I, I try really hard to not say bad things. And my son will tell me, well, that's not the way he talks about you, mom. Or <laughs> why are you so nice? That's not, you know. <laughs> and I know a lot of it is the religion because I don't want to say in a normal divorce, is there such a thing as a normal divorce? But in a normal divorce, when two people get divorced, you get to keep your family, you know what I mean? And, and you don't get shunned by all your friends. So, in, but in a JW divorce, you really are labeled as the bad guy and you know, you're, you're an apostate, you're wicked. You do, Oh, you know, how dare you, whatever you're doing in your life, you know? Um, it, it's just, so I do know, yes, even though in our court papers, it does say that you're not allowed to say anything bad that would interfere with the natural love of a parent and child or something like that. Um, that is, written it is in writing and I, I do try really hard to not ever do that because first of all going back my parents are divorced and I know and I told my son that I said you know dad's parents are still together my parents are not so I know what you are going through and I know how hard that can be so and I didn't like when my mother would bash my father and say things and da da da. and I'd be like well you know that's that's my dad you know so I kind of look at it because I know what it's like to be a child of divorce even though I was an adult when it happened um so I try not to do that with him and I just do the best I can to be a good mom and I told I told him recently I'm not perfect I never said I was nobody is I'm just doing my best here to raise you, to make good choices and whatever they are, I support you, you know, and I try, I hope his dad would do the same, but you know, coming from the JW point of view that pretty much the be all only end way is to be a Jehovah's witness. If he's not, um, that's unacceptable. If you're not baptized, which so far he is not. And I do feel at 16, if he's not baptized already, he's probably not going to, but he may, I don't know. I have to leave that up to him. But if he doesn't get baptized, then at least he doesn't have to worry about being shunned and, you know, going yeah, down. There's that still way. that loophole. Yeah, that's that little tiny loophole. But um, 
it's it's a very unique situation and like anybody i tell my story to outside of jw world xjw world is absolutely floored because like you said they have no idea how much this religion organization permeates every single part of your life your marriage your kids like everything yeah and i've talked to my son and said like i know it must be hard for you to be in one household where it's super strict rigid rules you know all that and then here we're we're pretty happy go lucky you know <laughs> not anything goes but you know we just try to be, we're more liberal i guess you would say and more accepting and I do feel like I know my son a lot better than my ex does because I think my son can share things, even just like music he likes and he can freely show me things that he likes and I can go, oh, you know, that's cool. That's nice. Or nah, it's not really my thing or whatever, but we can share that because it's not like, what are the lyrics? You know? Right. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one question. Uh, sorry, go ahead. I remember in the seventies when you used to get in trouble for when you paid a played a record backwards. What it, what it said. <laughs> yeah. so, I what heard about that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm dating myself. Sorry. <laughs> hey, records are still cool. Uh, <laughs> our record players sing right there, so it's like ten feet away. So, um, so my question, or I guess another question I have too, is that has your um, ex spouse tried to change custody so that you don't have your child? Um, mainly because you're not a witness and they view you as terrible. And so you are not fit to raise your child. No, he has not. I am sure I don't want to like make up stories, but I'm sure he's considered it. <laughs> but in a court of law is in New York state, the mother does hold, like I was paranoid when I first left that I was going to lose my kids. I was like, Oh, you know, I remember calling a lawyer and I, you know, was you know, crying, like, you know, and she said to me, do you have a job? And I said, yes. And I told her, she goes, do you have a house? And I said, yes. She goes, do you have any DWIs? And I go, no. She goes, you're not going to lose your kids. You're the mother. And I was like, oh, and then she told me that their little shunning policy means nothing. She goes, that power ends at the door of the, she called it the church. She goes in a court of law. She goes, you're you're gonna be fine. You're you're not gonna lose your kids. And I was like, oh, so like the mom does hold a lot of weight, and I could be a jerk too, and I could go back and try to get full custody of him and this and that. But I don't want to do that to his father because that's his dad, you know. And and I know my son doesn't want that either. My son wants to have both of his parents, and that's the way it should be. We are co-parenting. So do I think he he probably has considered it. But I mean, my son is now 16. So we're in New York State, it, it is actually till 21, not 18. Um, but once my son is 18, um, really legally, he can get a job, move out, do what he wants. And again, obviously, I hope he stays with me forever. And, you know, <laughs> I'll keep him. I, I adore him. Um, mm -hmm. But I have to let him make his own choices. So I'm just kind of, I guess we're both just riding out the clock at this point. Cause it's one child. He seems very happy, you know, going back and forth. He gets time with both of us, but um, I'm sure he does wish that I was out of the picture. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, There's I a question that I had that I can't remember now. Like I just, 
it's just gone. Something related to custody, but it just it's fuck it. It's just gone. Maybe if they got to choose. Oh, I can elaborate on that. In New York State at 14, the child is allowed to choose who they want to live with. So in one sense, I do know that. And I'm like, oh, you know, I could go and, you know, hope my son could choose me and I could have him all the time. And da, da, da. And then I think about, but what if he doesn't choose me? <laughs> his dad and then I lose. And that's when I'm like, I would never want to do that to his father because I don't want him to do that to me. So my son can choose at this age. And I do believe that my son would want to choose to have both parents and, and do the 50, 50 that we have going on. It seems to be a good schedule. So, I mean, to all the parents out there that are going through this, if you at all can work something out like that, where it's 50, 50, and it's really all about what's best for the child. It, it really is. You have to do, you have to consider in each child, I guess it would be a different situation too of what's best for them. But we did it out of court, which I, I told you I got screwed because I had to pay child support, but it's only money. So I was like, if I have to pay money to see my child, I'll do it, whatever. I, I just, the most important thing to me was that I had my child and had um, that time with him every, every single minute I could have with him. Yeah. Um. I guess to go back to some of the questions I had originally sent, we covered a lot of it. So great. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you, you mentioned that your parents got divorced. One was in, one was out, but it was as an adult or mm -hmm. you were an adult during that yes. time. Um, I like to get the perspective of the child in those situations. Generally, it's when they're younger, the children are younger, but you're an adult. Um, is, I'm trying to think how to phrase that question. Does, is there anything you, that your parents got right with that or anything they got wrong, you wish they'd done better as far as dealing with you when one is in, one is out? That's an interesting question. Um, yes, because when you're a child and your parents get divorced, your parents don't tell you everything, you know, and you, you don't get all the details and it doesn't make sense and you're dealing with it. And as a child, you think it's your fault and, you know, what could I have done? Da, 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 da. And you're a kid though. So, and you're resilient and you get through it. But when it happens as an adult, your parents tell you everything and you kind of know their story, that story, this and that, and the other thing. And it still doesn't make sense. And you still feel like, maybe this was my fault. Maybe I should have said something. And you go through the same exact feelings as an adult, um, as you do as that little innocent child. And I guess it's all the same. It's grief, you know, it's the same emotions, but, um, it still doesn't make sense as an adult. And then I personally realized that I now have, cause I was already married. And for me, at the time, um, I found out I was pregnant for my oldest and I thought, oh, this is horrible timing. I'm going to. And then I thought, you know, this is the best timing in the world because now I have my own family and I can focus on her. So the one thing my parents did right, um, they did the same thing, a non-contested divorce. There was no fighting. Um, they very amicably were able to split ties 
And my sister and I were both um, adults, I mean, and so there was no child custody and all that. So that makes it a lot easier. Um, For a while, I was my dad's support person through it because my mom was the one that left and took off. And I was here with my dad, who was not the witness. Um, We got a lot closer at that time. And I would say one of the biggest things I can say for as the child of a divorce is not bashing the other parent. There's two sides, there's two stories, and somewhere in the middle is the truth. And you you love both of your parents. And so that's why I tell my son, I know that perspective. I've been, I've been there. I know how hard that is. And then when you add the layer of when they get remarried. So when my dad got remarried and my mom got remarried, you add that, oh, now we have a, a stepdad and a stepmom. And then you have their kids and you know and the whole big modern family and see i know what that's all like and then the, the little things like um my dad's wife had a daughter who didn't have a father so it was very quickly that she started to call my dad dad Oof. and that that hurt at first now i love her she's she's a great part of the family but at the time you know that was kind of like oof, that really hurt me. Like she's calling my dad, dad, but you know, she didn't have a dad and my dad is great, you know? So, (laughs) so yeah, so there's that perspective. So I understand that layer. And then, um, so for my son, I actually have never asked him this question. I don't think that his step siblings call my ex dad. I don't, I don't think so. I think he would have a problem with that if they did, because it seems so simple. You know what I mean? It's just a word, dad, mom. But when, you know, when you go there and somebody tries to take on that role and they do know that like his new spouse, I don't think she tries to be mom. And I don't, I don't think, because my, my kids, uh, that's one thing for myself personally, I, as an adult, never called my mom's new husband, my stepdad, it was my mother's husband. And he's a great guy. I, I liked him. He's he's just not my dad. You know, he jokes now and calls himself, oh, your, your favorite stepdad. You know, and I'm like, okay, funny, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's that that layer of, of the extended family. And the fact that JWs marry so quickly. So from my divorce, the day we finalized the divorce, he was remarried within six months. Like not dating. No. Now I mean married. So I joke about it. That shit doesn't happen, Cheryl. Come on. (laughs) No, it's crazy. You know, and so I said his tax when the IRS doesn't like the IRS, he went from married and the following year to married. Like there was never a tax year of oh we're I mean, I joke about that. So so here's one piece that I am going to share from like my person, because we're just like, we've been laughing about it for about a month and a half, two months, whatever. So I had a hearing about a month or so ago with my soon to be ex. Um, Just a pretrial hearing. But when it was done, she actually asked the judge, she's like, yeah, I was talking with a friend and they had said that there's a way that we can have like this, like finalized and like the marriage could be like done and over now. And we can figure out like all the particulars, like the finances and the custody and all that, you know, later on. And the judge is like, well, yeah, technically, yes, that's a thing I can do. But is there a reason like you would have to show me a good reason why you need your divorce to be finalized right now? And she's like, <laughs> uh, uh, um, 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 no. <laughs> so we've been sitting here guessing like. Who is it? <laughs> yep. Trying to well, out, now like, we know. We now we know who. Now have a fair. We have a pretty good idea, idea. now so. who it actually is. But 
yeah, like you said, they don't waste any time. It's my ex-husband. Um, yeah, we went before the judge August 31st, 2015. He was remarried January 2016. And so. I said that to him, like when we were finishing up the marriage and all that, I said, you'll be remarried in less than, no, I won't. And I said, and <laughs> they, there was a, they were lining up. There was about five mm-hmm. sisters <laughs> that got in line and they were fr- my friends, you know, and they just wanted to make sure they got in line. It was kind of comical. Cause I was like, happy wives don't just up and leave wonderful guys. There's a reason why, you but know. you're evil. I was no. evil. Yes. You I know. Are. I went crazy. Mm-hmm. I, I'm crazy. I'm a sociopath. We're mentally diseased. I'm mentally diseased. Yeah. I have all the names and I'm just no, like, yeah. okay. <laughs> or I was just leaving, you know, a, an abusive, I mean, not physical abuse, but leaving a marriage where I wasn't happy and there's no way out. And in that religion, you cannot leave a marriage without mm-hmm. being disfellowshipped, without, you know, somebody's going to take the consequences and, now, in hindsight, I mean, I do respect the years we were married and, you know, that we have children and all that. But unfortunately, it we grew apart and it, it didn't work out. And, you know, I never thought that I'd be divorced and have to co-parent and do all that. And But here we are. And now I've learned so much about all of it. And I'm sorry, you guys have to go through it, too. <laughs> yeah. Well, it goes back to, like you said, it's great that there is a support network there. And that's one of the things that, again, well, like she mentioned, I'll reiterate, like I'm super grateful for the group that, uh, you know, in New York that I was able to find and find that support and reconnect with Amanda and find other XJWs online and find an entire community. Um, That's one thing that a, a fellow who's in a support group that we had started for XJWs in Minnesota had mentioned, um, He's like, when you start leaving, like, you don't realize that there is a big community of people. You know, you think that mm-hmm. there's 25 apostates sitting in their basements just talking shit and like, that's it. But there really is thousands and tens of thousands of people that have the same damn experience. Like the same thing has happened to them. Obviously, there's nuance to every situation, but there is... People that can relate. Yes. There yeah. is no shortage of people that can empathize mm-hmm. and relate to your situation. That's right. You know, and I'm happy that both of my girls, um, they really don't even identify as XJWs. Like, I'm very happy for that because they left. um, They've gone to therapy. They've gotten closure. And they really beautifully moved on with their lives. And one thing I did right is I will tell you that my middle daughter said to me um, that she's glad that I, I, I was, how does she say it? That she was able to figure it out on her own, that I didn't pressure her. And now we're so close um, and they do miss their dad. I, I want to say for the record that they do long for a relationship with him. And, and as, and I know my oldest daughter said, you know, as angry as she is about the shunning and this and that, and how he doesn't accept her. If he called her and said, you know, look, I'm sorry. Do you want to go out and catch a burger and whatever? She'd be like, all right, you know, why not? You know, and they would, they do want a relationship with him, but, he, it's just not going to happen. Like, you know, I don't ever see him waking up. If he does, I would be so happy for him. I really would. But if he's truly 100% happy in the religion, like we said, and he wants, then, then that's what he needs to do. And I wish him the best. And I hope happiness to him and his wife, you know, and I just couldn't do it anymore. But 
the threat of losing your children is, is, is terrible. And I do regret if I could go back and not raise my kids in this religion, I, I wish I left sooner. Um, but you can't go back and do it again. And I guess I'm just happy I woke up now and that I can continue my life. Cause these have been the happiest years of my life since the day I left. I now celebrate my anniversary, as I call it. You know, when you're first disfellowshipped, you're like devastated and crying and it's so you're losing everything. And now I look back and I'm like, that was the greatest day of my entire life. And, you know, mine is in October. So I, I write it on my calendar, my anniversary, And I'm like, how many years? And, and you're taught growing up, if you ever leave, oh, it's going to be so bad. And then and you're, you believe it. And then you leave and you're like, what in the world was I? <laughs> I should have left a long right. time ago. Yeah, you're but anyway, so my girls don't really identify as XJWs. They, they, they're living a great life. And, um, both of my girls, my oldest daughter has a, a trade. Um, she has a career doing hair. Um, she's very, very happy. And my middle daughter is just finishing up at 20 years old, her bachelor's degree in nutrition. Um, so she's doing it all on her own. This was her thing. And, you know, they're to get that opportunity to go to college you know, not that college is the be all end all I and mean, trades are great, like my oldest daughter or whatever, but they had that opportunity to choose and, and do what they want with their life. And my son, the same thing. He has certain goals of things he wants to do, whether it's a trade or college, I told him he'll figure it out. But, you know, I just, it isn't door knocking anymore. So <laughs> I think, I think I actually follow your oldest daughter's uh, hair page on Instagram, actually. So it, incredibly talented, like well, if I can give Impressive. a shameless plug to her, she's vividly live, um, <laughs> vividly live on IG. If you want to follow it and you ever need rainbow hair, yeah, she, I'm not just saying this because she's my daughter, but she's she's incredibly talented when yeah. it comes to that. And I was I'm actually going to ask you, like, proud. we'll put it, we'll put it in the description. We'll give there her. There you go. We'll I, I'm just, it, it is. Re- she's very, very talented. I'm very, yes. very proud of both of them, all three of them, and you know, I just hope i hope happiness for them too yeah mm-hmm. um it seems we're, we're covering a lot of the questions which is great um i have anything you're grateful for because of your circumstance or upbringing it seems you've touched on it some is there anything like additionally that uh, um you're grateful yeah, for? like I, I spent my entire childhood praying for my father to become a witness. Now I can say I'm incredibly grateful that he never did. And I'm incredibly grateful for uh, my, my two year college degree, which I got right away out of school, which thankfully I had an unbelieving father that I was allowed to go. And then later I went back and finished my bachelor's and my master's. And I'm really grateful for the education because I can um, support myself comfortably now and take care of my kids where, you know, I, I struggled for so many years as this, the stay-at-home mom thing, you know, all that. And as far as growing up a witness, I guess I'm an extrovert and I'm already um, a social, I've never been shy, I'll say. But your XJW, or not XJW upbringing with the, the training and public speaking, I am actually grateful for that. I, I really feel like having that training from such a young age, from infancy, as they say, um, I do cherish that training I got in, in public speaking. And I think it helps me now. I, I work as a college professor teaching and I feel like I use a lot of my skills <laughs> that I learned growing up. So that that I'm really grateful for. Um, 
I'm grateful for my family and, you know, my friends. And like I said, I, I know it is, I, we started the group, but our XJW community, I mean, it has been priceless. And now I feel like I'm paying it forward that I look forward to the next person who joined. Cause I am one of the moderators of the group that we, you know, when somebody wants to join the group, I get so excited about who's going to be next, who who's leaving and who are we going to help? And it's an exciting journey for me now because I, I'm fully out. I, I don't say I'm cured, but like I'm very healed from the religion. I'm over all of it. I'm not triggered by it anymore. I used to run away in a grocery store when I saw a witness. Now I like walk right by and I'm like, yeah, oh, hello. How you doing? I'm fine with all of it. I'm good. Um, but the next, I, I love the journey of watching a person who anonymous name joins our group and they don't want to tell me their real name. That's totally fine. I've been there, understand that, to secretly listening and watching. And then they join our call and then they start talking. And then like a month or two goes by and all of a sudden they got their real name and they're living life and they're happy. And I absolutely love helping other people now with that journey that I've been there. I know what it's like to leave a high control group, lose your friends, lose your family, lose your spouse go through court and child custody and child support and all that stuff. I know what that's like. I know the feeling and that's what our support. And one thing I'll mention too, is we are not a substitute for, um, we are not trained therapists. So we are not a substitute for therapy. We tell everybody to find yourself a really good therapist. This is a strictly a support group. So the support group really does help people. And in just a few months, we've seen people transition right into their life and they're, they're good to go. So yeah. yeah. So I'm very, very grateful for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you, well, yeah, well, it's kind of like you talk about that and we talked about some of the way the group has grown when we first started, we talked mm-hmm. about, there's been ones from like the Minnesota area that have like joined and like, so we've had, we've seen that there, we've had ones from the Minnesota area that joined that don't want to share their names. They're not going to go on mm-hmm. camera. And now, now all of a sudden they're talking and, you know, for a long time I was there, but just kind of, listening and then a little bit on video like while I was driving home and then mm-hmm. we we remember. Our, yeah and we talked about our friend in New Zealand same thing she came in with a fake name for like the first however long not turning mm-hmm. on her camera and then all of a sudden you know and then we see people kind of grow into their own you know authentic identity whether you know whatever it is to mm-hmm. whatever level of engagement they have within the XJW community or activism or whatever like it's just it's a really beautiful thing to see each person's individual, uh, mm-hmm. I guess, growth in that, that area. So, so and thank you for facilitating that for. Yeah. Many. I, it helps me to help all of you, but the one thing we're very respectful of too, is some people leave the Jehovah's witness religion and they are still religious and they may find comfort in going to church mm-hmm. and that's their thing. And we have other people that become very atheist And they're very happy with that. But we also are a group that no matter where you are on the spectrum of religion, whatever makes you happy, we try to be respectful of everyone. So we're not a bunch of angry apostates who sit around and gripe about God. I'm like, no, that's not what it is. It's about finding your happiness. And that's the one thing I can say is I tell my kids that, you know, the I've been out now like three years. It's been the best three years of my entire life. Even though I lost all my friends and part of my family and my my spouse and everything, I'm still my authentic self now. I don't have to hide who I am, and I don't have to worry about Armageddon coming. And I'm fully past all of that. And 
I guess yeah. you cherish the memory, the good memories, and you move on now to the good, better ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we do. We have a pretty diverse group in uh, mm-hmm. that. Ex- I mean, geographically, like racially, social backgrounds, you know, religious backgrounds. We have ones that are atheists. We have ones that are still Christian. We have like kind of a, a full gamut of individuals there. So mm-hmm. it's all about being able to be supportive. So. Mm-hmm. And I'm really hoping we can have an in-person group. We're going to have to fly you guys out. Or, <laughs> you know what I mean? We all got to get together in person one of these days. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that'd be Thank awesome. You. Yeah. Uh, let's try and see if we covered all my questions. Um, looks like we, we also touched on this too, but do you have any advice for parents that are trying to co-parent in this kind of situation or any advice to children that are living in this situation or um, for any of those that are trying to leave? I know it's kind of a compound yeah. subject um, there, but. So the first one was parents in this situation. Yeah. So um, anyone that are trying to co-parent. Yeah. Um, you basically to, to cope, it takes maturity that you have to realize it's not about you. It's not about, it's about the child and doing what's best for the child as difficult as that can be letting the child make their own choices. You know, it's not, it comes down to a lot of whether you want to be in the religion or not, but um, just letting your child know that you love them no matter what. And that just because it didn't work out between me and your dad or, or whatever, um, doesn't mean we don't love you. It's not your fault. There's nothing you could have done. And then from the perspective of a, a child who, or I think you were asking like a, a physically, like a physically and mentally out child that wants to leave. If you have this type of situation where, you know, maybe the child wants to side with one parent or the other, Oh, the biggest advice I can give is get your driver's license, finish high school, you know, and if you can get a trade or if you can go to a community college, you know, get get that education, get that in, because without that, you're not going to be able to support yourself. And not that money is the most important thing. And it isn't. It is does not buy happiness, but you need to be able to support yourself. So, you know, I said that to my all, all of my kids, you know, that driver's license and getting some sort of trade, no matter what it is, that is your key to taking care of yourself out of this because you know as you know in the religion you know higher education isn't allowed and um you know all forbidden so it doesn't have to be a college degree trades today are great so sign up for those and then get yourself out on your own have yourself lined up in some way yes yes Mm um i guess it kind of goes along with uh, any advice for those that are trying to leave i guess from the child perspective or minor perspective you know kind of get yourself set up so you can take care of yourself. Right. Um, but what if you're um, a stay-at-home mom? What if you are a husband that's trying to get out? Like if you're an adult in a marriage trying to get out and leave that marriage and the religion, do you have any advice? Yeah, I think it'd be the same. Um, I think it's a different for, if you're a stay-at-home mom with no education, no job, you know, you really got to set yourself up. There are programs out there that can help you with that kind of thing. But again, setting yourself up with a trade or something so you can take care of yourself. As far as the father trying to leave, um, that can be just as difficult because the mother has so many rights when it comes to the kids. 
that the father has to make sure he has a relationship to continue, you know, with the kids, because he's most likely going to end up paying child support and all that if he leaves. And, you know, it can be very, very complicated. But I was going to say something else about the child leaving. Oh, I was going to say, like, right now, my son, I don't really know whether or not my son wants to be in the, I, I don't really ask him about the, you know, so to speak, but I do tell him that when you are a minor and right now you do have to sit respectfully and listen to the meeting. Cause that's your dad and you live there with him and you can sit respectfully and you can listen and it, you know, but if, if, when you turn 18, if you don't want to anymore, you don't have to, but if you want to continue, you should. But I tell him he has to be respectful because it is his dad's house and it is his wife and that's what they believe. And I, no matter what religion it was, I would tell him to be respectful, but just to know that he can eventually make his own choice. It doesn't have to be in it or it, it can be. I mean, so I know at 16 for him, it probably seems like an eternity till he's going to turn 18, but it's like a year and a half. Like, you know, what I mean? <laughs> it's not that right. far, but you know how it is when you're that age. It's a long ways off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So to be respectful, be patient. And again, I encourage him you know, to get a trade, you know, go, go to college if he wants. He's talking about getting his CDL license or so. I think that's fantastic. If that's what he wants to do, great. Let's, let's do it. Let's sign you up, you know, whatever you need to do. But I also tell him too, he's welcome to live here at home as long as he can. And, um, just giving him choices. Cause as a JW, you know, you don't, your life is planned out for you. There are no choices. There's black and white thinking, good, evil, you know, that's, that's what it is. Right, wrong. That's it. Mm-hmm. You know, become a pioneer. That's your career. I never mm-hmm. understood that. Mm-hmm. Your mm-hmm. career. Okay. And, and yeah. hopefully that's something that he recognizes as well. Like as yeah. things go that he doesn't have those choices if he chooses one path, whereas right. you're going to let him choose whatever the hell he wants. So, yeah, yeah, of course, I have biases of what I hope he chooses, but I I really try hard to not say what I want because I, you know, I ask him what he thinks, just like I did. And it it worked for my other two and they couldn't be happier. They're they're doing great. So, I mean, parenting, you wish I mean, what works for one kid doesn't work for the next one. And you wish they came with a manual and you, you know it's the toughest job in the world, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. you guys know it is, it's a lot of work, you know, but I try to be the best mom I can be to them and, and be supportive. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm not perfect. I have regrets. I, you know, there's things I wish I could change when they were young, but I did, I gave it my best shot. I did. I did my best. <laughs> That's it all you can do that way. Yeah. Um, I guess to kind of wrap it up some, what, what has helped you the most to heal and have a good life and uh, what resources can you recommend? Oh, that's, that's a good question. First of all, in the beginning, my own personal research. Oh, I mean, just researching everything and anything, you know, I went through that whole stage where you become, like I said, I become obsessed with everything I could possibly learn and read every book. I've read them all. I've, I've done them all. Then after that, you have to heal. And that I would have to say the XJW community, um, just reaching out and that support from other XJWs, other high control groups, other people who are divorced, 
Definitely. Um, finding a great therapist. I actually worked with a um, XJW therapist who helped me get, get through um, a lot of things. It, it was just priceless to me. Um, I think we had the same therapist, actually. <laughs> really? Oh, so. if it was. Um, Dr. From, Lee? From Britain? Nope. Never mind. No, it was a different one. Yeah. Nope. Um, no, she actually is from the UK. She's wonderful. Um, getting through that process and just getting that support from everyone. And when I left, I did reach out to other XJW friends who had left years before me. And you know the grovel of, I'm sorry, I shunned you, you know, and, you <laughs> and they welcomed me with open up. But you have to find that support. And if you're planning to leave, you can try to get that support before you leave, too with people you work with and tell your story. Cause I used to be, I mean, here I am, look at me doing this interview. When I first left, I was so embarrassed. I didn't want to tell anyone. Oh my goodness. I, I didn't want to identify. I used to be a Jehovah's witness. You know, you're like, I'm so embarrassed. How did I ever? And uh, my therapist helped me realize that I didn't choose this. I was raised in it. I was seven years old. I believed what my parents told me. They told me the Armageddon was coming. I was going to be, I was never going to get married in the system of things. I was never going to have kids. I was going to never get old. And I'm going to be riding a panda by the time I'm 20. You know, I just, you know, everybody goes back to the panda. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then it just didn't happen. And then as you get older and older, I was embarrassed that I ever believed that. Now I'm embarrassed that I didn't leave sooner. Like what was wrong with me? I'm a college educated person. And how did I not wake up sooner? You know, so you go through all those feelings and then you realize that, you know, everybody has a journey and that now I can just help other people, but reaching out, having that support. And now I do feel fully healed and on the other side of it and I can help. And here I am using my real name, you know, telling my story, but I, I'm not crazy about going public with my story, but I feel like if it can help even one person out there, then it's worth telling my story that you're not the only one. There's so many of us that were raised the same way, you know, and it, and it's, you know, a camaraderie, I guess, with all of us. We all have that in common. Like we like we said, we've we've never met in person and we've been great friends for years. It's amazing. The the brotherhood that's available outside of gross. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck would you use that word for? That's gross, Cheryl. Knock it off. I use it in quotes. Really. <laughs> no, I'm, kidding. I'm kidding. I know. Sorry. No, it is. It's beautiful. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And helping others. And like with you yourself, Tyler, going to school. And I'm so proud of you and what you're doing and becoming a therapist. I mean, there's such a need for that. That like when I left, I didn't have my XGW our, our group to reach out to people. Um, I reached out to Karina personally, and she was fantastic. Um, I, I, I reached out, but we didn't have that. And I, I didn't know even know who to go to. For How do you go to a therapist and explain what it is? You're, like, you tell people, well, you know, I, and they're like, so you have to train your therapist to, to, to help you. Like, you, you're offering a fantastic service for people. There's such a need for it. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Who knows for you to to offer that. I think I'm proud of you. That's amazing. Thank you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. Good job, Tyler. Thank you. Yeah. Um, okay. You guys well, have amazing parents too. So what, what's One that? One more time. Sorry. I didn't hear you. <laughs> you guys are amazing parents too, to <laughs> fight you. for your children and, and do what you're doing. It's all worth it. 
Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. Well, we appreciate you uh, giving us your input and your time today and your experience and uh, every little bit helps as we continue on with this. But um, is there anything is there anything that you're like, as we're wrapping up, you're like, God, I got to say that like, I got to get this out. Anything that you closing words of wisdom or encouragement or. I think I've I've said it all. I mean, I doubt my ex will ever watch this, but if they do, um, I think we all have the same goal of wanting what's best for our children. Whatever, whether you're in the religion or not, um, we all we all have the same goal of ha- letting them be happy. I, I think that's 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 what all parents want. Really, we try our best, and you know, I think that's basically it. Okay. Well said. Yeah. Um, I can't think of anything more. Uh, yeah. Good luck to everybody I... who's in this situation. Reach out to me. Give me a call. Send me a message. I'd be happy to give you the support and love you need. And awesome. We've all been there and done that. So yep. we're in this together. True. Very much so. All right. Well. That's it. Well, thank you so much uh, again for being willing to come on, share your story with us. Uh, thank you to, um, or, you know, kudos to you and your children for, you know, kind of the experience that you guys have had and your, you and them collectively and individually, the kind of your waking up experiences and all that. So um, very wonderful to hear you share that with us. Uh, we appreciate it so much. Yep. Thanks so much. You guys are awesome. You too. Well, that is it. Uh, Cheryl, yeah. cheers to you. Cheers. You, well, With your water bottle. Yeah. With my water. Sorry. Great. That's all we got. Thank you to yeah, everyone for listening. Thank we'll you. see you guys soon. Yeah. Bye. Bye.